Sarah Kitts and I am the Artistic Director of Great Canadian Theatre Company in Ottawa and here we are at the beginning of our 23-24 season with our season opener, The Supine Cobbler by Jill Connell. Welcome, welcome, welcome Jill. Thank you for taking this time to talk with me about your play and the art and ideas and feelings that are inside of it and all around it. I wonder if just as a way to begin, you could touch on how it felt to make this show for its premiere in Toronto in, was it 2015, 2016? And how it feels to have this show living in the world now. The political climate is different. You are different. Can you speak to those two different worlds and how they are bridged by this play? Hello, Sarah. This is Jill Connell. I'm the playwright of The Seapine Cobbler. Um, your question is making me cry, so I have to um, calm down. <laughs> I, thinking about 2015, the original production, which we made exactly this time last year, also in September. It was just um, the time, like a massive time in our lives, I think. Um, this team of beloved collaborators who made this show, I don't know how or why it felt so special, um, but for me, it was my first time like directing and producing as well. And it just felt like so vulnerable and dangerous and hard and special. Um, and then I would like go to the show and just watch it like with my mouth open like the whole time because I was so um, surprised by what it was what um, these performers, the actors and the musicians and the audience could pull off together. Um, so this production happening at the GCTC is like thrilling that this story gets to live again and in a different time, in different bodies. It's also like resurrecting like a ghost <laughs> for me um like this big sweet time and as for the world things feel so different and so the same simultaneously I feel things right now feel so fast and like our collective nervous system feels like it's at this like higher pitch and speed. I feel this is what Seapine Cobbler is about. Um, it's about how to show up and do what you have to do like right now, given the chaos of the world, given that you love people, um, given that you don't control very much, um, given that how do we make money 
given, um, <laughs> I don't know, just the weather. And I feel, if anything, the world has gotten more intense on that level. Um, the Western is having this true renaissance, I think. Uh, abortion is, gosh, I, yeah, it was a, devastated um, by Roe versus Wade being overturned just over a year ago. It felt, um, yeah, also like some of what's happened since then has felt very hopeful um, in terms of like the voices that have come to the forefront and the activism and the articulation, um, the coming together. So... Yeah, 2015, it felt like, as I was writing this play, like from 2011 to 2015, it felt like abortion was just entering the kind of cultural milieu where it would like be in TV shows and in movies. Like, um, and so now it feels more included. Um, it still feels vastly underwritten about the experience. Um, of abortion. Um, yeah, I mean, my goal always was to create a story about the experience of an abortion and more primarily relationships between these women on stage. And I, to kind of not comment on the politics of it or have it not be about decision-making or access was also political to just let it exist as an experience. Um, so I certainly am excited about that and stand behind that as feeling quite important in this moment in 2023. Jill, thank you. Oh my goodness, there is so much richness to respond to there. Um, I will, I will try to touch on some of the many things which you articulated, including how the world feels different from 2015. That already feels like multiple lifetimes ago to me, personally, professionally, uh, community-wise, politically, and environmentally. Um... I agree that everything feels faster and more intense, uh, certainly including the weather and the state of this planet. Um, and I also despaired when Roe was overturned and also saw so many people standing up and saying, we won't let that happen here. And of course, the political systems under which abortion happens in Canada uh, have always been different than in America. So it's not quite an analogous situation, as you know, but the, the, the mood in the water, you know, that's the thing that can feel so concerning when everything feels like it's swinging right and becoming more regressive uh, there seems to me to be a profound 
and vital push uh, from so many corners for more nuance instead of these ossified binaries that people want to close us down into and uh, more life and more opportunities for people to live in the particular contours of what their lives are in this world. And I find that really optimistic. Um, Your play specifically, I remember so well. And speaking of living in the body, that play lives in my body and in my memory, and I feel haunted by it. And I think for that reason, I knew I wanted to have it here in Ottawa, and also that I couldn't direct it. I knew I couldn't direct it because I have never stopped thinking about, feeling about your production. And I, I think it's fascinating that you talked about um, it being the first time that you had written and directed and produced and just showing up to the performance once you got there every day and just watching it with a dropped jaw because <laughs> that that really resonates for me and I'm not even a playwright but whenever I feel as a director most successful in what I've made I feel um, contradictorily as if I had nothing to do with it I feel like all I did was clear a space for the work and the artists to achieve um, the promise of a piece and like I didn't have a part in that which of course isn't true but I think that feeling of uh, not steering something too hard and rather just moving things out of the way for the voice and body of a work to become present I really relate to that so um, I can only imagine how deep that must feel when you're also the author and it's coming from such a personal place I wonder how you feel the world is different or not different since seeing this show in 2015 I wonder what you remember from that production Um, because I know you were there and I'm just struck by what a mystery the body is making these voice recordings has made my body become covered in hives (laughs) and I... It makes me realize I, yeah, things get stored in our bodies in these ways or understood in these ways. And I, it's one of the things this play is obsessed with is like the body and the body in relationship to other people and to the world around us. And Sometimes, yeah, I feel like I spend my whole life just living the supine cobbler. 
like living the state of being that this play tries to express. Um, we talked before this conversation about loneliness, and we've also talked about the the circle of beloved people who assemble to tell this story and I feel like that's happening in different concentric circles because there's your story and then there's the cobbler's story and there are the women that she calls to her uh, to support her in this moment for this event and to sort of achieve and maybe close a chapter in her life so that she can go forward. And then there are all the artists who assemble around this show to create the show. And then there are the people who come to witness it and witness the haunting and the waiting and maybe, like myself, become haunted by it. Um, and I, I just wanted to bring back that notion of loneliness, which you brought up earlier when we were talking, not in this conversation, but in another, because I think abortion is so lonely. And as you say, it's only somewhat recently become part of a cultural conversation, but it's still underspoken of uh, and it's still um, a complicated thing to articulate, especially if, as you have so brilliantly done, you're not trying to um, harness it for um, spectacle, but to just allow it to live in the world as an event, which is what it is. Um, so I just think that you've so brilliantly placed the cobbler's loneliness on stage and her loneliness has called a community of people to her and I wondered if that was something that you consciously thought about doing when you were making the play or if it was more emergent. Thoughts on that? Sarah, I feel I could listen to you speak a long time. Um, I have to get to Ottawa now. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to go do that imminently. But I wanted to respond um, to your question about loneliness and whether I knew or whether it was purposeful um, the the connections on stage, um, bringing in all these beloveds in the cobbler's life to help her or antagonize her in the process of accomplishing her day's task, this abortion. Um, I love the way you described the concentric circles that go all the way to the audience um, and from that original production to this production that's about to happen, about to live. Um, I wouldn't have known, for example, that writing this play would lead to the conversation we're having right now. 
which feels like the opposite of loneliness. Um, I didn't expect that um, it result in so much connection, to be honest, um, which is like a very uh, lucky outcome. I think in general, with my art as a person, in my experience of the world, I just feel so curious about like how alone I can feel in my own small body, but how like connected and affected I feel by the people I love and the people around me and the world outside. Um, so I think it is purposeful. It makes a lot of sense that Supine isn't a solo show, for example, that it's about um, like the cobbler is the only person who can have her own abortion, but within that, like that kind of lonely experience that happens within the edges of a body, um, that experience is so connected to, um, her relationships. Uh, and that's definitely something I was thinking about as I was writing it. Um, and something that I was bringing from my own experience of abortion, of having an abortion. And I think, uh, I wonder if the play really carries that with it. Like it invites, like in the making of it, for example, in the original production, it invited so much intimacy and community and these partnerships that I made that um, continue to be partnerships, central partnerships in my life to this day. Um, and I love the idea, and I don't know if this is true, but that, that, that to make this play, that there is the opportunity to invoke that. Um, if the team or the production wants to, that what it can do is maybe take some of the loneliness of being an individual and invite intimacy and complexity. I loved what you said about nuance and I'm noting um, that in my attempt to do some press for this production, I am so uh, challenged by speaking about this play or abortion or theater even in um, simple terms. And I, I think the container for the play, I hope, invites that, all that like messiness and the possibility for caring and investment and like showing up to see what happens next and maybe making some mistakes while you do it. I mean, making the show has been like ultimately humbling for me. Um, like I just continue to learn so much about being a person um, in relationship to this piece and this story and um, the humans the artists who've worked on it, and the audience. I 
love what you said about being haunted by this play and this being a reason you knew you couldn't direct. And I too am haunted by this play and it made me wonder if being haunted in this case is lucky. Um, And it reminds me of the haunting in the story itself of the dancer returning from the dead for her sister's abortion and how that too is a lucky haunting. What you said about how good directing feels to you was so beautiful. I feel on this show, um, I mean, I didn't do it alone. Teddy Taffel was there um, doing an embodied practice the whole time, which was like a huge part of how we built this piece. Um, I feel there was a lot of expertise from inside the ensemble as well, Um, like kind of a self-directed process. But I felt my role became to like hold the space and kind of create a, a vacuum of power or something like enough space for like this, um, for listening and relationship to, to be safe, um, to happen. Uh, yeah, it was so, it's so beautiful to hear you talk about direction from a real, (laughs) real director. Um, yeah, it made me wonder how is Emily doing and what are they making, which you have more insight on, but I have no idea. And I hope, um, I I just can't wait. I hope, I was going to say, I hope they're experiencing some joy in the process amidst all the um, deep unknowns. Jill, I loved what you said about the haunting being lucky. And I so agree. Um, It's such a generative haunting and uh, a welcome visitation, I would say. And I am so excited for you to see what Emily has done with this show, which is glorious. And anyone who's listening to this will have already seen it and know So I won't speak to that except to say she brought exquisite joy um, and such a generous leadership and vision into the room. She is remarkable and I'm so proud of her and what she has made and delighted that it's happening and delighted to see that this, I'm just going to say it again, this this welcome visitation of your play, this lucky haunting is here touching another generation of artists, another group of people, another city, your hometown. Um, I'm really feeling there's so much to be grateful for and inspired by 
in this script and in this production and in your saying yes to us doing it here and just letting Emily go off and do it without you in the room. Also such a tremendous affirmation of trust. And thank you for saying yes to this conversation. I feel like we could talk for hours and I wish we could speak for days, but we should wrap up at least this formal portion. And I can't wait to see you here in Ottawa. And we will talk more about all of the things. Thank you so much. And thanks for everyone who listened. Bye. Thank you.